for me, ownership means first and foremost, understanding what are my priorities in my life. So for me, my priorities are my faith, my family, and then ultimately my business. Understanding what those priorities are and understanding what order they should be in. And then saying, okay, how am I going to actually push the ball forward in all those areas? This is the Own It Show, where we tell stories of how everyday people made ownership theirs. Everybody, welcome back to the Own It Show. I'm your host, Justin Rothling Schofer. And if you're new here, as I've said for the past 249 episodes, there's a ton of content. Get on back there and uh, take a look at a lot of the solo podcasts, a lot of the content, a lot of the podcast guests we've brought on who've just brought so much transformational knowledge. And if there's ever been one episode or one podcast that stuck out to you or you get something from today's episode, I encourage you to leave a comment, leave a review, and and share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that's going to get out there because that is the only way that the podcasts start to get to more people. And that's the way that we reach. That's the way we teach. And that's the way we can empower. And so um, as we continue to step in, that's what we're going to dive into today. We bring on guests that have ultimately made ownership theirs and learned through experience how to get to that next level, how to perform at a level that is elite, the, the level that you ultimately desire, but somehow is untapped. There's un limited potential in each and every one of us, but we have to be able to figure out what do we need to do consistently and intentionally in order to step into that. And the guest that we're bringing on today, I had the pleasure of being introduced to him probably about two months ago. And it has been not only a pleasure to see him on this side of the camera versus on the television, but now just understanding the man behind the athlete, the man behind the businessman, the man behind all the accolades that oftentimes I think uh, can overshadow who somebody actually is. And so Jacob Turner, it is a pleasure to bring you to the show and to our own um, community. Um, and I'm so excited for what we're about to dive into today. Well, Justin, thanks for that introduction. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Really looking forward to the time together today. I love it. I, I'm i super excited. Uh, if, if you who are listening are unfamiliar with uh, Jacob Turner, um, just do a simple Google search and you'll find that he's a uh, former first round draft pick uh, into the major leagues, uh, spent time with, I think, five or six different organizations. I know it was with the Miami Marlins, with the Tigers, with the Cubs, with the White Sox, with the Nationals a little bit um, and had an extraordinary career. Uh, what was it, over eight years? Yeah, so about, uh, I guess, parts of eight years in the big leagues. Uh, 11 years total in professional baseball, but a wild journey through those 11 years. And I'd love you just to kind of tell our audience and just kind of lean into that a little bit. What was that journey like from a young boy having most likely a dream of being able to step into this powerful output, this powerful outlook as a professional athlete, and then actually fulfill it. And what was that journey like? And what did that leave you with at the end of the day? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, just entitling it a journey, because that's the way that I think about it. So growing up, I'm from St. Louis. And my goal growing up was if I could play division one college baseball, that would be the pinnacle of athletic achievement for me. I had two brothers and sports really was the end all be all for us growing up. we we love sports and, and specifically love baseball. I wanted to be a college athlete. I thought if I could play at the University of Missouri, that would be the coolest thing in the world and was really blessed to have a lot of God-given ability. You know, on top of that God-given ability, had two parents that 
help support me and take me to a lot of different events as I was growing up. And that one thing led to another. By the time I was a junior in high school, I was looked at as one of the top high school pitching prospects in the country. That snowballed into my senior year and ultimately ended up getting drafted in 2009 after my senior year of high school, ninth overall by the Detroit Tigers. So it was this this slow but quick transition from high school athlete to professional athlete to top 10 draft pick. And then really from there, it was truly a journey, Justin. When I think about my professional career, reflecting back on it with where I'm at today, I'm extremely proud of it. But at the time, there was a lot of things that were happening during those 11 years of playing professional baseball that oftentimes I thought like, why is this happening? And this is not the way that I thought it, I saw it going. So tons of ups and downs, uh, definitely not something I look back on and say, Hey, this was a straight line trajectory up into the right. There was a ton of ups and downs, but I think it put me in an amazing position for what I'm able to do now. As you, I want to touch on this because it's, Again, for listeners out there, it is not common to go from high school to pro. Uh, oftentimes you have, uh, especially depending on the sport, but basketball, you've got maybe a one or two year stop if you're extremely talented. Um, the very few um, that make that jump are people like LeBron James or people like Bryce Harper, um, extremely talented athletes. So you can understand the the talent that uh, Jacob possessed and kind of where he was at stepping into um, this, the, this limelight. And so I'd love to understand what that transition was like for you going from an 18-year-old boy now to an 18-year-old man overnight and what did that do to you? And what obstacles did you have to overcome in terms of understanding yourself, your habits, your behaviors, your routines, uh, the leadership qualities that you had to learn and possess through this time? What was that like for you, um, again, on, the, on this journey? Well, first and foremost, it makes you grow up fast because you go from being a high schooler that is focused on graduation and all the fun things that come with the senior year of high school to it's getting picked up. my case. Getting, yeah. picked up, getting picked up by mom after school. Yeah. I, I feel like I had just gotten dropped off from my first date in high school and I couldn't drive yet. And then the next thing I know, I'm signing the contract for millions of dollars and I'm looked at as the next guy. And I, I can still remember, Justin, one of my first experiences in professional baseball with the Tigers, we were we stayed at dorms. So it, spring training side, you stay at dorms with all the other minor league guys. When I got there... Were you still in was, Lakeland? Lake, Lakeland, still, Florida? Still in Lakeland. So Central Florida, for those that don't know, in between Tampa and Orlando, the city you pass on the highway, but don't typically go there. And the reality was I was there with a bunch of guys that were in rookie ball, extremely talented players, but they had been kind of doing this professional baseball thing for a while. And here I roll in as the guy that was the top pick, assigned for all the money. I was on the cover of Baseball America. I'll never forget, I walked into the, the lunchroom or the cafeteria that we had. And one of the guys was like, oh, I just saw you on the cover of Baseball America. And I could tell it was like this kind of backhanded complimentary jab of like, let's see what you're all, let's see what you're all about. And I, I didn't quite understand the business side of sports when I first got into it, but you learn that really quick as an 18 year old. So that transition was, was quick and challenging, but there was a ton of things I learned along the way. When you step into a situation like that and there's so much expectation, there's so much pressure, you could say. How did you handle that? And how did you step into that? And I'm going to preface this by 
um, but we obviously we work very close with the Philadelphia Phillies organization, us as as own it. And I think one of the most profound things that I heard Bryce Harper say, and uh, you may have a completely different take on this. You might have uh, your experience might be different. And that's why I want to ask this question after. But when he talked about pressure, he goes, man, pressure was making sure that I could get into the league to ultimately set my parents free to buy their home to, uh, cause we didn't grow up with anything that I didn't go to, I didn't go to college. I stepped right from high school into pro sports. So I had to make it, I had to be good. I had to get the contract. I had to set people up. That was the pressure for me. Now I'm just here playing. There's no pressure. There's no pressure in playoffs. There's no pressure in games. There's no pressure when I step up to the plate because you're here and it's inevitable because I've done the work to get there. I've prepared myself. And so I'm curious for you, when you stepped into this, when all of a sudden there was all of this pressure and you you did that same move that Bryce Harper did, like comparing you to Bryce Harper is kind of what we're doing in this in this scenario is because it was the same journey. It's a You can count the people on literally one hand that have done it. And when you go through this, I th- and I'm I'm wanting to set the stage here for the listeners because I I want you to understand how rare this is. It's like going from high school as an idea for a business and then stepping in to a $5 million business in your first year and now like this is your thing. Like this is what you're doing. This is like where you're going all in and you're betting on yourself now. And so what was that like? How did you level up your mindset? How did you level up your habits, your behaviors, your rhythms and how fast did you have to grow up in order to do that? And what were your methods in order to make that happen? I think I'll start with the first point is what is pressure inherently? And the the real thing is, I think, Justin, you probably feel the same way, not to put words in your mouth, but you and I, both as leaders and people that truly are looking to always drive the ball forward, we are instilling more pressure on ourselves than any outside person will ever instill. For sure. so I think I'll start with that. When people say like, oh, did you have pressure by being a first round pick or by signing for all this money? I would tell everybody the same thing. Like, look, my expectations internally were always higher than what anybody's outside expectations were. Yeah. The second thing is the way that I was able to reduce pressure in my mind was I would, I just did the same thing I did, whether I was a 10 year old playing baseball or I was a senior in high school or was our, whether I was a professional athlete. Good. I felt like if I went out there and I put in all the work that I could possibly do and I went out there and I competed to the best of my abilities. And sometimes that worked out and I had great games. Other times that was total flops and I had terrible games that I could sit there at the end of the day and know that I felt confident with everything that I put in. So the pressure was inherently a little bit different in my mind. And then I think the third piece is more of a strategic piece. And when you talk about Bryce, I think the one thing that Bryce has done an amazing job of has just gotten, not that he ever wasn't doing this, but he's gotten back to this point of just truly competing. Yeah. When I saw him play in the playoffs this year, you can almost see that look in his eyes of his only thing he's thinking about is competing. The same way he was thinking about competing as a 10-year-old before he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a 16-year-old, before anybody knew who Bryce Harper's name was. And I think that's where that's the shift for guys that can can take it to the next level and not only take it to the next level one time, but consistently as they just get back to competing. You know, there's another guy in the Phillies, Nick Castellanos, who I got drafted with. He was drafted the year after me at Detroit. Nick is an awesome dude. And one of the guys I've always, one of the things I've always respected about Nick was just his ability to stay the same person and be able to compete on the field. When I look at Bryce and Nick and I saw them playing in the postseason, that level of focus and that level of being able to block out everything else, everybody says that, but you can see the level of just competing and letting everything else fall by the wayside. 
So I, I wrote something down here as you were writing because, or as you were speaking, because there's something I think very innate in what you said. And listeners, I want you to capture this and I want you to hold on to this because a lot of times when you step up and you feel like there's pressure or you feel like you have to perform or you feel like you have to show up, it can generate some feeling or spirit of fear. And fear is what ultimately will cripple us. It will hold us back from getting the results we want. It'll uh, it'll start to create doubt and questioning as whether we can do it. But there's only one equal and opposite reaction that overcomes fear, and that's love. And it sounds like very hokey and very like high level, but no, love casts out fear. And so what do you love to do? And it comes back to in the sports world or in these other worlds, it's the love of competition. It's, I love to compete. I love, like you probably stood on the mound bearing down at whether it was Derek Jeter, whether it was Sammy Sosa, whether it was Mark McGuire, whether it was Barry Bonds. It's like, I'm standing on the mound. I love to compete. It's you versus me. And you have a love for the competition. You have a love for the feeling of the ball in your hand. You have a love for whoever it is was calling your game behind the plate. Like you have a deep love for that. So when there's love, there can't be fear. And you can't start questioning and doubting. And I think that's that same thing you saw in Bryce's past playoff, as I know exactly what you're talking about, is it's just this deep love to compete. It's not, oh my gosh, am I going to do it? It literally means that your outcomes are inevitable. You're going to go, I'm going to strike you out. Whether I strike you out or not, Yep. it doesn't matter. I love to compete and I love that I have the opportunity to show up in this way. And that changes that game and eliminates that pressure no matter where you're at. Well, to, to touch further on that too, whether it's in sports or business, I think one of the hardest things for people to do is when they're on the come up and they're trying to establish a name for themselves, whether it's building a business and they're trying to establish the name of the business, they're trying to establish their first bit of revenue, or they're an athlete and they're trying to make a name for themselves in the sports world. It can almost be easier, I think, to compete when you're on the come up because you almost have nothing to lose. Nobody knows who you are. It's you don't good. have these expectations. And then you reach this kind of this pinnacle where uh, now, now all of a sudden, like Justin knows who I am, you know, Jacob knows who I am. And how do I go from that standpoint where I'm, I've reached this pinnacle and I, I kind of have something to lose now to, to take it to the next level inherently and get back to just competing. And th that's where I think people, they miss, they miss that they're on this pinnacle and they miss the fact that like to go to the next level, I just have to go back to what I was doing previously. Yep. And it sounds so simple, but if you can just go out there and compete and that's all you're doing, that makes an incredible difference. It's such a good point because uh, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that have built businesses that are now, uh, they've gone and had a career year. Maybe it's the the best revenue year they've done. Uh, maybe they've coming off the... Uh, the best quarter they've ever had. Maybe uh, they've seen this upward run and this upward trajectory in their business for a long time. Uh, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, now I have to continue this. I have to keep going. But if you focus on the outcome, and 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 I often ask this when I'm standing and like when I start a lot of my keynotes, I say, what's your definition of performance? And I hear the words winning, um, taking action, uh, getting the results you you were looking for, reaching a goal. And I say, actually, those are outcomes. Those are results driven. They have nothing to do with performance. And when we think about performance, it's all about the preparation. It's the desire and capacity to have intentional and consistent behaviors that help us to perform at 
our ultimate potential. And so when you come back to this concept, if you've realized results or you've realized an outcome that you really like, you can reverse engineer that back to what did you do? What were the habits? What were the behaviors? What were your mindset? What were your things that you were doing consistently and intentionally that got you there? And the reason why the best performers, the people that continue to show up year after year after year after year after year, and it's just like, man, Mr. Consistent, just like gets results, just does it. It's because they've engineered those results. They are super hyper aware and consistent on a select number of things that they put into place through behaviors that outcomes are ultimately inevitable. It's about building the process. I remember with the Cubs in 2016, Joe Madden became the manager and we had a sports psychiatrist there that was really instrumental in helping a lot of guys. And one of the things he always talked about was, you know, to instill confidence and to build confidence, you have to have a process. At the time I thought, like, what is this guy talking about? You got you got to have a process. What do you mean? Like, I got to stretch the same every, every time. But really what he was talking about is the same thing there, Justin, where you're just reverse engineering what you know it takes in order for you to go out there and have that level of, I'm just going to compete. And I know if I do all these things beforehand, I'm going to be able to go out there and compete free and easy. And then I know if I can do that, the results will just continue to follow that. I think that's one thing that people miss when they struggle at something. And that sports is a great teacher of this. You struggle with something and you fail one time, you fail two times, and you think you got to change everything. When yeah. in reality, you maybe just haven't been doing it long enough and you're just not quite good enough at it yet, but your process isn't broken. You just need to stick with the process a little bit longer to see the results that you want. It's so good because uh, you're exactly right. I think we we bounce between things so often that we don't have the wherewithal and the staying power. And I know we've connected a lot on like the spiritual side of things. And when you're truly convicted on something, uh, it gives you that staying power. And we oftentimes go off of feel. We go off of what feels good to us. We go off of what do we feel like we need to do rather than really getting connected to what we're called to do, really connected to what we're pulled into, really um, convicted on what what our purpose is and what is being spoken into us. And when we go off of feel or what it is that we desire, maybe it's an earthly desire, maybe it's a worldly desire, whatever that is, that will always mitigate our patience. That will always mitigate the time that we're willing to stay in it because we don't know what the outcome is going to be. But when we're leading in on what we're called to do, in what moves our spirit, in what talks to us, in that deep level of connection, that's when it all of a sudden becomes sustainable. That's when we have the patience, the wherewithal, the be willing to take the lows with the highs as they come, because we we know what the outcome is. It's already prepared for us. And the hard part at the beginning is being able to discern between what is my desire versus what is that actual calling for me. Yeah, I'd say uh, it's tough because I think there everybody talks a lot about you want to do things in life that give you energy. But at the same time, you got to find stuff that like you can do today too. I think some people, they confuse the idea that I should only do stuff that gives me energy and I shouldn't do anything that's quote unquote hard work or the hard work to get to that point. And sometimes you have to earn the right to be able to do the things that just totally. give you energy. And I think there's this misconception now that, you know, you hear people talk online and on social media and they're like, just focus on what gives you energy. But the reality is it takes building to the point that you can just focus on those things. Yeah. I'd ask you in your life, did you ever have an inflection point where you realized, wow, man, I'm, 
I am really starting to just focus on what the outcome is. I need to get back to the process. Yeah. I mean, for me, that was uh, what I call success without fulfillment. That was my, uh, that was my third third contract um, in the NHL as the, as the performance director um, was I knew that it was my time to step away. I knew I was being called to something else, but my ego and my identity was tied up in that thing, uh, the team, the the league. And I started to focus and, and put my worth and my value in the outcomes. Um, if we won the game, if we had the lowest injury numbers in the league, if we had the lowest sickness numbers in the league and all of these things that before <laughs> were just kind of happening, were just kind of coming because of the process. But all of a sudden I started to obsess about the, the outcomes and the results. And because that's, I tied to what my value was. And if I was doing a good job and if I was continuing to push the envelope and all of these things. And it was at that moment that I was like, there, there needs to be a change. There need, I need to, I, I'm called to do something else and I need to rearrange and restructure where I'm putting my time, energy, and focus. Um, and that was, that was when I stepped away from the league and got back to that system and that process, because to your point, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We don't rise to the level of our desires. We fall to the level of our systems. And a lot of us don't have systems that are uh, intentionally and consistently um, produced to get us the results and outcomes that we're looking for. Yeah. You know, the other thing I would add to that too, for anybody listening, if you're on that, if you're on that come up journey, you don't have to have all the systems and processes figured out on day one. It's an iterative process. I know for me, even now as an entrepreneur, it's still an iterative process of like, what are the highest leverage things that I should be doing every single day? Even if I know they're not going to bring a result on Monday or Tuesday, I know if I keep doing those over a long period of time, they are going to bring a result. And I think that's one of the best lessons that that baseball in particular taught me because you don't always see the results right away. Let's say you're working on a new pitch or you're trying to work on some new mechanical change. You might go out there the next time and pitch and it might feel completely terrible. But you know that if you stick with that for a long enough period of time that you're going to start seeing the the fruits of that. When you were coming through sports and baseball and I want to get into kind of like what you started to discuss in terms of life after baseball and being able to kind of move in and succeed there. What would you say are, let's just go with your top three takeaways that sports and baseball taught you in your process, in your system, in your mindset, in your way of life that ultimately has parlayed you and taken you further in business thus far than if you hadn't gone through that? Yeah, I think the first thing is that failure is just part of the process. There's no there's no success without failure. And people always look at somebody that's 10, 20 years down the road from where they're at, that maybe they're in the specific role that they're in now. And they're like, well, that guy's so successful. I just want to be like him. But they don't comprehend all the failures that it took along the way to get there. I think that's one. The second thing is discipline. Discipline is this often overused, popularized term. But the reality is the best thing that sports gave me was a inherent nature and a self-belief of just if I continue to be disciplined in the things that I know matter the most over time, that I will have success. Yeah. I think ultimately it gives me a ton of confidence. Somebody asked me when we first started Moment, like, well, why do you think it'll be successful? 
I was like, I'm just willing to do it longer than anybody else. Yeah. That's not, that's not just some term I throw out. I say that because for 11 years I played baseball and for the better part of those 11 years, it was more failure than success, but sticking with it is something that ultimately created this disciplined muscle inside of me. And the third thing I would say, Justin, and this is, this is true for anybody in life. <clears throat> Everybody puts their pants on the same way. Yeah. So this is a piece of advice I got when I made my major league debut. My agent texted me this and he said, just remember everybody puts their pants on the same way. I didn't really know what he was talking about, but after the game, we talked about it. And he said, you know, when you're in the locker room, like you're all the guys that you've grown up watching. But the reality is they were all in the same situation as you. They all had their major league debuts. They were all on the come up at some point. They all weren't household names and all stars and on ESPN every day. And they all put their pants on the same way. Okay, so you all have the same skill sets in that locker room. I think that that lesson can be taken to any business. If you're in a business and you see somebody that's in on the C-suite and you're like, man, I really want to be like that guy. Just remember that at some point he was probably in your shoes. If you see that entrepreneur that's 10 years down the road, and you're like, man, I wish, I wish I could grow my business to be similar to what he's doing. Just remember he, he's been in the same situation you're in today. So those would be the three things that I would say, Justin. I love each one of those. I'm just going to do like a little summary on top of these is like when you talk about failure as a part of the process and realizing that failure, when you fail at something, it's not a definition of, uh, or an indication of who you are or what your worth is or, um, uh, what your future holds, but rather it's just an indication of where you are today and a lesson that you're supposed to take away from so that you can create a new outcome. And you talked about this, uh, this concept of almost like comparing, like looking, oh man, somebody else isn't failing, they're winning. Comparison is the stealer of joy. And the moment that you start comparing yourself to others, you don't know what experiences they've had. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know how many failures that they've had to ultimately earn that success. And so it is, it is like, be grateful for your failures because you've just earned a mark. If I said to you, Jacob, if I said, Jacob, you have to fail 34 times before you succeed on the 35th time, what would you, what would your goal be? Yeah. It'd be to get those 34 failures out of the way. as fast. Exactly. As fast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I want to fail as often as fast as I can so that I can get through these 34 because I know the 35th is coming. And the crazy part is, is that's life. And then when you talk about like the concept of discipline, uh, there's this word that comes up for me as you were describing this and you said discipline creates confidence. It's, it's the power of inevitability. When you have this process and you're just willing to stay in it, this process that fills you up mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, it creates a rhythm. It's something that is there, man, you're going to have the staying power so that your outcome is inevitable. Maybe it's one year, maybe it's five years, maybe it's 15 years away, but you will be there. You'll still be there. And like Tom Brady still here, right? Like yep. uh, what he keeps saying. And that's like that concept that keeps coming back to this. And number three, I love this. Everyone puts their pants on the same way. Um, it's, you can do it. Like everybody has their own journey. It goes back to this concept. What we talked about is everyone's on a journey. And if you're willing to be on that journey and stay on this journey, your success is inevitable at the end of the day. So I, I absolutely love each one of those, um, those points and they trend, they transition. I don't know if you've noticed this, but athletes want to be in business and the business people <laughs> want to be athletes. And yep. there's, there's this, there's this ecosystem that, that has a nice play on it. Um, and you're able to see these concepts go back and forth so readily. Yeah. Well, in two, to touch on a point that you made, <laughs> when I think about how, 
all those things tie in from sports to business. I always hear people talk about youth sports and they talk about, you know, should my kid play the highest level and should I pay for every single thing that's out there and should they play seven times a week? <laughs> and the reality is, I don't know. Okay. If you think your kid's going to be the next Tiger Woods, by all means, go for it. But the thing that they miss is the lessons that those kids are learning along the way. My son is a, is a hockey player, right? So he's six years old. He's in his first full season of hockey. He's learned more in the next, the last two to three months playing hockey than like I could teach him if I talked to him every day about all the lessons that you need to learn in sports and competition and being a good teammate and sitting out and helping and passing. Like there's all these things that he's just inherently learning because he's playing the sport. And there's so many tie-ins from the sports that we play ultimately to whatever we're going to do in business or in life. Experiences is just an unbelievable teacher um, in a lot of these ways. And um, speaking of experiences in this way, I'd love you to kind of touch, touch, touch on um, a low or a obstacle or a hurdle that you kind of went through maybe publicly, maybe privately uh, through your major league baseball career that has taught you something that has shaped you into the man that you are, because you're not just a great businessman. You're not just a great athlete. You're a great father. You're a great husband. You're a great uh, mentor. You're a great leader. And so what were one, two, that kind of stand out to you that shaped you and redefined how you think, how you show up, how you act, how you behave, uh, because you are so different just in terms of your demeanor and how you show up uh, as a man. Yeah, there's a couple that stand out. I've had a lot of failures in my life, Justin, but one that particularly stands out to me is I was with the Miami Marlins. I made the team out of spring training. This was 2018. So towards the end of my career, made the team out of spring training. We were in Philadelphia. I was the the long guy in the bullpen. So think about the long guy as like, I'm basically essentially the last guy on the roster. So I'm, I'm every time I'm out there, if I don't go well, it could be like, I'm getting sent to AAA. I go out there and I pitch, have a really poor game. Essentially, no, I'm getting sent to AAA. Get sent to AAA. Not only do I get sent to AAA, but I basically go to AAA and I'm now the lowest guy there because now I'm one of the older veteran guys. We're not a team that was going to make the playoffs. So a lot of the prospects are getting opportunities now. And maybe a month into me being at AAA, I get released from AAA, which was the low point of my entire baseball career. I'll never forget it. The manager calls me into the office. I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's like, you know, Jacob, uh, it's just not, it's not working. Basically, you can go anywhere, but you can't stay here. And that feeling of walking back to the locker room and packing up your stuff in front of you know, your teammates, a lot of your friends, and you're not getting sent down, you're getting released. Like, yeah, you got to go find somewhere else. And I remember calling my agent and telling him, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I've just had enough. There's been too many ups and downs. I've just, I'm done. He's like, you know, just drive home. Think about it. I'm about halfway through this drive home. It's like seven or eight hours. And he calls me. He's like, hey, we had this opportunity. Detroit wants to sign you and they want to go to AAA. I'm like, I don't know, man. What do you think? I'm not really in the headspace to make this decision. He's like, I think you should just go because what's the worst thing that could happen? He's like, if you just go and compete and try to like find that joy of baseball again. Yeah. That was such a lesson for me because I went to AAA with Detroit and I had some of the most fun I'd had playing baseball in years, Justin. And I had no expectation of getting back to the big leagues. I had no expectation that this was going to go anywhere. I just had the expectation that I was going to go out there and compete. So tying back into what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, that was a huge lesson that I learned was yeah. I was so miserable. Even when I made the team with Miami, I was so miserable because I wasn't 
focused on competing and being on the field and being present. I was just focused on not failing. Yeah. This is when I went back to Detroit, I was just, there was no expectation. I was like, I'm just going to go out here and compete like I did when I was a senior in high school. And it was incredible how much joy that brought me. So good. You touched on something that I want you guys, again, just to, there's so many nuggets in this. If, you, if you're getting to this point in the podcast, I really encourage you to even go back and just re, re-listen to this because there's so many nuggets in this that are just so critical and crucial. And this last one that you just said was you weren't focusing on the process and having joy of being where you were. You were focused on not failing, focused on not getting sent down, focused on what you don't want to ha- have happen. And when you focus on that negative, your mind doesn't actually know the difference between positive and negative. So if you're like, hey, don't hit your finger with that hammer, you're going to hit your finger with the hammer. If you're like, hey, don't see a pink elephant, you're going to see a pink elephant. It's like your body doesn't understand the positive to negative. It just knows what you're looking for. It's called the reticular activating system. And so when you start to focus in on the negative, don't get sent down, don't throw a ball, don't toss up a fat one that they take yard guess what you're going to do? You're going to throw the ball. You're going to throw up a fat one. And all of these types of things are going to happen. And you can apply that to any aspect of life. And so it's changing from that negative connotation from fear and stepping into that space of love, that love of the competition, the love of the pressure, the love of building your business, the love of um, the obstacle that's there, whatever it is, just find love and tap into that. And it's almost like your cheat code (laughs) for being able to have that next step, that next level of impact in whatever it is that you're doing. For me too, the thing I would add is it was always a shift from from the internal to the external. So I'll use a pitching example. When I was pitching and I was in the National League, we still had uh, pitchers that were hitting. So if the pitcher comes up, the first thing that inherently comes to your mind is just throw three fastballs down the middle and don't walk him because he's, chances are he's not going to get a hit. That's a terrible thought because that's an internal thought. Instead of saying, I'm going to shift my focus from internal to external. When I shift my focus from internal to external, now all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to throw this fastball down in the way and I'm going to dot the catcher's glove right there on that lace. Now my focus is external and I'm not thinking about the bad things that could happen. I'm focusing on how I'm executing. How am I executing the good things that are going to inherently happen? It's good. It's good. It's such a great restructuring and refocusing point. When you finished baseball, when you stepped away from baseball and you stepped into this new journey, um, this entrepreneurial journey, this business um, uh, venture, what obstacles did you come across and what learnings did you have, especially in your first couple of years of making this transition from pro ball player to entrepreneur? Well, it was hard for sure. My last year in 2019, I played in South Korea and I essentially knew at the very end of that season that that was going to be my last year. I remember flying home. 15-hour flight with my wife and three kids and just telling my wife, I, I think this is it. my heart just wasn't in the day-to-day grind that I knew it was going to take to have success. I knew that I wanted to do something to educate people around money and personal finance. It's something that I have a huge passion around, but I didn't know what that was going to be. And people tend to think from the outside that if you are a professional athlete, the minute you get done, well, well your phone's going to be ringing. There's going to be all these people that are calling you, looking to, looking to hire you. The reality is that's not true. Um, everybody's living their own life and nobody outside of people that were huge Detroit Tigers fans or were upset with how I pitched when I was with the Marlins knew who Jacob Turner was. And the fact that I got done playing, it wasn't like I didn't have some big announcement on ESPN that Jacob Turner's retiring from baseball. I was just a 
a guy that played 11 years, but the reality is 90 plus percent of people that play within two years, you're not going to remember their name. So there was a huge transition and learning curve for me, but I'll tell you, Justin, the biggest takeaway I had was I focused on increasing my skills and not increasing my income first and foremost. One thing people miss whenever they're transitioning from one thing to the next is they always look at inherently what the world tells them to look at. Well, how much money am I going to make? How hard am I going to have to work to earn that amount of money? Instead, what you really should be focusing on is what what could I potentially build here from a skills perspective, from a network perspective, from things that I don't know about that could ultimately 10x my value a few years down the road. And it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of being humble to go there. But I call like you're starting at the bottom of the mountain. And you got to slowly learn to build your way back up the mountain, just like I did with baseball. I love that perspective because uh, it goes back to that time component, right? Like making sure that whatever you're doing, you love it so that you're willing to build the system around yep. growing and and uh, and having that staying that staying power. Because the moment you try to shortcut something, it's going to have you fall and the bottom's going to fall out at some point because there is no shortcut anywhere. As you stepped into that road and that journey, and you've built this this great firm, and you're obviously helping so many people and pouring into them with where your passion is, what were you able to take from baseball, apply it here, and really be able to have the success that you're seeing in your process and your day to day? I think it goes back to the the point I just made about being humble. So when I one thing I learned with baseball was you get drafted, but then you essentially start at the bottom of the mountain. You're in yep. rookie ball and you got to work your way up. In baseball, you know, you have rookie ball, you have A ball, you have double A, you have triple A, and then you have the big leagues. So just because you get drafted and you become a professional baseball player, most people don't consider you a professional until you get to the big leagues. You know, you're in the minor leagues and somebody comes up to you and they're like, when are you going to go pro? Like, well, I technically I already am pro. Well, why don't I see you on ESPN? But you got to climb that proverbial mountain. I think it's the same way in entrepreneurship. And that's one of the things that I learned along the way was, I talk about that, but what did I actually do tactically? So when I got done playing, I reached out to essentially everybody I knew that was quote unquote successful in business. That was kind of around the money, finance, investing realm. And I asked them if I could buy them lunch or if I could buy them coffee and just understand like how they get to where they're at. And if they could do it all over again, what would they do differently? So I was able to get a lot of different perspectives. From one of those perspectives was a, a guy that had built an incredible wealth management firm a multifamily office. So they work with a lot of uh, ultra affluent families. And essentially, I was like, hey, can I come work for you for free? Um, I don't really need to or want to get paid. I just want to learn the skills and experience. And I did that for six months. Six months, I went into the office from nine to five. And I was at the bottom of the totem pole. And Justin, when I say bottom, like the bottom, like the lowest guy in the firm. And that was fine with me because I was able to learn those skills. But it takes being very humble to go from being a professional yeah. athlete. And it wasn't like I was, you know, I was not Bryce Harper, but I still had a relatively decent ego about like, I'm a professional athlete and now I'm going in nine to five and I'm doing the mundane work that nobody else wants to do. But it helped me learn so many skills and it was such a value add to what I'm able to do now that that's what I encourage anybody to do. Humility. Humility in dropping your ego, death to the ego and stepping in to, to learn a new skill. It's it. There's just so I, I love these lessons because it's it's just something that's so true and they'll 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 have massive value for anybody whether it's hey i'm i'm trying to transition from my 9 to 5 into entrepreneurship well great 
Let's start to build that skill set. Let's go and get around those people. Let's go and invest the time and really start to see where you're at. Because the moment that you start to invest in a certain area is the moment that your interest starts to go there. And so we have to make sure that what we're investing in is something that is not only a a good steward of our gifts and our times and our talents, but also something that we're being called towards and something that's going to continue to be uh, something that we can be within for a long term. And so, Jacob, as we kind of come and wrap this up and kind of get to the end, what being somebody that has lived a life that is what I call a life of ownership and somebody who's lived this out and embodied it in such a powerful way. What is your definition of ownership? Mm, It's a great question. For me, ownership means first and foremost, understanding what are my priorities in my life. So for me, my priorities are my faith, my family, and then ultimately my business. Understanding what those priorities are and understanding what order they should be in and then saying, okay, how am I going to actually push the ball forward in all those areas? We live in a society today that wants to make an excuse for everything that doesn't go our way. doesn't go my way because X, Y, Z happened. It doesn't go my way because that person didn't give me an opportunity. It yeah. doesn't go my way because I didn't have the same opportunities the other person had. And the reality is all those things might be true. You might not have had the same opportunities. You might not have gotten the opportunity the other guy got. But there are things that you are fully in your control that you can do to push the ball forward. So for me, it's first and foremost, figuring out what are the priorities, what order they should, should they be in? And then what can I do to push the ball forward? Not, not something that I'm relying on something else happening. or I'm relying on this, this shot of luck. that's going to happen. What can I do? This is not a hope dream. This is not hope. Um, this is actual action that I feel like I could take to move the ball forward. So good. I love it. Uh, Jacob, where can people get in touch with you? Where can people learn more about you, um, your firm, how you can potentially help them, whether um, they're an athlete or whether they're looking to uh, just manage their wealth, finances, and everything in a much more purposeful and an intentional way? Yeah, so our firm is Moment Private Wealth. Uh, it's momentprivatewealth.com. The easiest way to get in touch with me is generally through some form of social media. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, uh, usually under the Jacob Turner. But we'd love to connect with you guys. I answer most DMs and messages on LinkedIn and Twitter, which is where I'm the most active. I love it. So guys, as you're leaving here, as as you're really starting to step back into day-to-day life, I want you to understand that you have to have a love for the competition, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether it's um, in your family, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your uh, in parenting, whether it's in your business, whether you're an athlete and you're going out on the weekend to play beer league baseball and hockey. It doesn't matter. You got to love the competition, love the journey of where you're at. Because the moment that you have love, it casts out the fear, it casts out the doubt, it casts out everything else. And you're able to utilize basically these three lessons that Jacob talked about so well, which is making sure that you understand that failure is a part of the process. It's not a judgment of who you are, but rather just a part of showing you that you're deserving and earning your way to winning. Number two is that discipline is something that creates confidence and ultimately your outcomes of success become inevitable, knowing that you're going to be the one that's around when everything's said and done. You just have a staying power that making sure that you're willing to do it longer than anyone else is. Number three, making sure that you realize that everybody puts their pants on the same way and you have the same ability to step into it otherwise, because we know that ownership is understanding your priorities, understanding the order in which it takes 
to be successful, understanding what your order looks like, making sure it's in that order, and then taking action on it in a powerful way because we know success is different. So own your different. And we'll see you guys next week. 